welcome. You're listening to a sermon podcast from Oak Hills Church in Folsom, California. Well, good morning. It is so good to be here and see so many of you out there. And good morning to those of you that are turning, tuning in at home. Thank you for joining us. My name is Emily Huey, and I'm the... <laughs> the Missional Living Coordinator here at Oak Hills, and I am going to share some of um, the churnings that I have had with you. So I'm guessing many of you have had some churnings, and when I was asked to share, this word churnings makes me think of um, slow-churned ice cream, and I really like that visual because, one, it's slow-churned, so I can slowly be working on the things God is revealing to me, and two, it leads to ice cream, and that is a good thing. So churnings are not always bad. So let me uh, take you back in time. It wasn't too long ago, but it kind of feels like a lifetime ago. That was three months ago when we started shutting things down. The way I remember it, it started slowly in waves. The fir- at first, seniors were asked to stay home, and then the schools closed, and then a week later, uh, our church offices closed. So that's when this churning hit me. I was home with my husband, with my four kids, and we had a lot of time together. So it didn't start bad. I was at home sitting on the couch reading a book. My oldest was sitting reading a book. My youngest was with us reading a book. Life is good. A third child sat down, plopped himself on the couch, just wanting to hang out. And I think even before his plop was complete, I kindly said, what are you doing? It may have been more accusational. What are you doing? My wise child hopped up, said, I'm getting a book, left the room, never to return. Now, a windstorm of thoughts that took only a second flooded my head. And I'll take a moment to verbalize them to you. But I find it this way with God sometimes. What only takes a second um, can really, he can be unloading truths that last a lifetime. So this flood of thoughts went something like this. What are you doing? He was wanting to be with you. Is he only valuable if he's doing something? Haven't you always told them you're valuable because God made you, not because of what you produce? Isn't that what you want everyone to know? If I can so quickly forget, what does that say about what I really believe? God, do I believe that I'm only valuable? No, do I believe that I am valuable because you love me? Do I try to earn your love? Am I even noticing when you want to be with me? I'm noticing it right now, God, that you are with me. And then the next thought was, okay, God, you have my attention. What do you want me to do? Again, too many doings. But Gaiad was kind enough to quickly show me that it's not what I do, It's what he's already done. And at this time, I was reading through Deuteronomy with an amazing group of women. We were fumbling our way through Zoom, just glad to dig into the word together, when we studied um, Deuteronomy 4. And if you would stand with me for the reading of God's word, I'll share it with you. Deuteronomy 4, 32 through 40. Ask now about the former days, long before your time. From the days God created human beings on earth, ask from one end of the heavens to the other, 
Has anything so great ever happened, or has anything like it ever been heard of? Has any other people heard the voice of God speaking out of fire as you have and lived? Has any other God ever tried to take for himself one nation out of another by testing, by signs and wonders, by war and by mighty hand in his outstretched arm, or by great and awesome deeds like all the things that the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your eyes? You were shown these things that you might know that the Lord is God. Beside him there is no other. From heaven he made you hear his voice to discipline you. On earth he showed you his great fire and you heard his word from out of the fire. Because he loved your ancestors and chose their descendants after them, he brought you out of Egypt by his presence and his great strength. To drive out before you nations greater and stronger than you, to bring you into their land and to give it to you for your inheritance as it is today. Acknowledge and take heart this very day that the Lord is God in heaven above and on the earth below. There is no other. Keep his decrees and his commandments, which I am giving you today, so that it may go well with you and your children after you, that you may live long in the land of the Lord that he gives you for all times. This is the word of the Lord. You can be seated. So Deuteronomy is one of my favorite books of the Bible. Um, and I think it just finally puts some words and a picture to this longing that I have for our world and our community. So let me set the stage a little bit. Deuteronomy locates Moses and the Israelites in the territory of Moab, where the Jordan flows into the Dead Sea. They have been wandering for 40 years, and they're on the brink of the promised land. One could say Moses is delivering his farewell churnings as Joshua is preparing to lead the people into Cana. Moses is repeating the law and commandments that were given in Exodus and Leviticus, but in a new way. It's not so much a list, but feels more like a blessing and a commissioning from his heart. In each chapter, he reminds these people, the Israelites, of God's faithful presence. Even in looking at the flow of the first six books of the Bible, there's a lot of movement and action. Yet in Deuteronomy, a book with 31 chapters, at the end of the book, Moses and the Israelites are still where the Jordan flows into the Dead Sea. It's like an interruption. There is very little forward movement. I think if I was there, I would have hollered at Moses, Moses, what are you doing? But this book spoke to me in this chapter in particular. Because everything seemed to point to what God has done. God created human beings on earth. God spoke out of fire. God made one nation out of another nation. Moses is reminding the Israelites of all the things the Lord did for them in Egypt. The book of Deuteronomy says, remember 148 times. With love, I feel like Moses is saying, remember who God is. And verse 35 says it very clearly. It says, you were shown these things that you might know that the Lord is God. Mark Glanville, a pastor I met through an NAB training, puts it this way. Deuteronomy anticipates that Israel, that as Israel moves into the promised land, she will be distracted by the abundance of Yahweh's blessing and forget the Lord, her God, upon who she daily depends. Deuteronomy calls Israel and in Christ the church, to live with gratitude and generosity in response to God's good gifts. Now, I can identify with that. 
I live in abundance. I live in Yahweh's blessings. And yet I forget that it's upon him that I depend. It is not my work, my power, my strength that makes me worthwhile. I need to remember all that he's done. So how do I do that? There's the do word again. I'm action-oriented, and yet God's already done the work. So maybe more, how do I embody that is a better question. I have to be present to him to recognize his presence with me and spend time talking about it and rejoicing in his faithfulness. And the reason this gets me is, you know, said clearly in verse 37, it says, because he loved your ancestors and chose their descendants after them, he brought you out of Egypt by his presence and his great strength to drive out before you nations that were greater and stronger than you. And this is our story too. Right? God is working and is stronger and allows us to be present and do things beyond our own abilities. And that is then confirmed in 1 John 4:19. It says, we love because he first loved us. And Romans 5, 8, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Again, not our merit. It's what he's done. So it wasn't that God made the Israelites bigger and stronger than the other people. What is amazing is that the difference is it was from his strength and his presence. And I don't want to forget that, his presence. My striving to read enough, to learn more, to be intentional, to serve more, is nothing without God's presence and power. When I strive on my own, I tend to act without love. And love is the difference in my tone when I say, what are you doing to invite conversation? And accusation, what are you doing that ends any possible conversation? I've been trying to incorporate some practices to help me on this journey of remembering. They are practices because they are skills that are not coming naturally. I need practice. So I'll highlight a few of those that have been useful for me. The first is uh, spending 15 minutes a day in silence. And I don't do it every day. It's just a few times a week. Uh, this is painful. I feel very unproductive. And I actually have to set my timer. My timer is not so I remember to get up. The timer actually forces me to stay down and just be. It is wonderful and difficult. A second practice uh, that I've been working with is a gratitude journal. Fairly simple but slowing down to take the time to name the good things that God has shown me. And in these last three months, it's not all been perfect, right? But yet there are blessings and good things to call out. And then a third practice uh, that I've been working on, and again, very difficult, is to sit on the couch with my kids with no agenda. My fallback is to say, hey, let's play a game. Hey, let's walk with each other. Let's have some sort of like a check a box. But no, my goal is to sit for 10 minutes, no phone, and just be. Slow down, listen, be present. Now, just a reminder, these practices, they are not bringing God's presence. He is already there. He's already done the work. These practices are to help awaken me to his presence. And at Oak Hills, we have the gift of the Studio and New Joy Arts run by Angela Hauk. 
And she has helped us over the years do creative practices that help us um, notice God. And this Tuesday, she is going to offer a class on Zoom um, in a practice of gratitude. And so you can go on our app or our website to register for that and find out more information um, if you want to start practicing gratitude and recognizing God's presence. So why are these practices uh, important? In her book on living into community, Christine Pohl writes, when we faithfully remember and recite God's acts of love and care, we relive our identities. My identity is that I am a child of God. I am loved and I am valuable because I am his daughter. My guess is, if my son had just plopped down on the couch, he would have seen an experience that is enough to just be with. My guess is, over time, he would have started to recount his day, his week, his past year, started talking about fun things, good things, bad things. And I've noticed that in the last three months, as we've had more time together, that we start to remember the past, and then that leads us to dreaming about the future, to noticing our hopes, um, to even discuss within each, with each other the turnings that we have. And I have a feeling that's how it is with God. If I would slow down enough just to be, not to produce, not to perform, not to please, and if then I would begin to recount the ways that I've seen him over the days, the week, the year, then we could slowly walk into more difficult times with the assurance of his presence, of his love, of his power, and his abundance. And that will lead to a more joyful experience for me and the people that I am living with. So if you take a moment, I will pray for us. Lord, we praise you for being a God, the God of heaven and the God on earth. We praise you for your beautiful creation and for your attention to us in our daily lives. I ask that as we go about our day, in our work, in our relationships, in our quiet spaces, that we would recognize and rejoice in your goodness and your presence. Amen.